Today, we are learning how to build our faith for healing. We as followers of Jesus have to know that we know that we are healed. The Bible says if we have any doubt, we will not receive anything from the Lord, and that includes our healing. When you believe, believe with your whole heart. The pastor will explain why some people are healed instantly, and while others, it takes time to manifest. Let's find out more right now in Pastor's message, Healing Through Faith. Today, most of you realize we're going to be talking about the subject of divine healing. Now, my purpose today is to build your faith. Not to share something new, but to build your faith on the subject of healing. So I want to begin today in Colossians chapter 1 with verse 2, which says, giving thanks to the Father. Or uh, My favorite translation says it like this, all right? You may be strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power, so that you may be able to endure everything with patience and with joy, giving thanks to the Father, who has made you fit to have your share of God's, of what God has reserved. Other translations say your inheritance for his people in the kingdom of light. Now notice God made you fit for your share. Your share, uh, in New King James, partakers of the inheritance. Jesus died and he left you an inheritance. Now, God made you fit to receive your share. Now, what most Christians are doing is they're waiting for heaven. It basically, they, the, the Christianity that most of us have heard was by and by, there's pie in the sky. Right? But the, the Bible Christianity is pie now. Not by and by, but there is an inheritance And God has qualified you for your share of that inheritance. Remember way back in the book of Psalms, David wrote in the 23rd Psalm, he prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Now, how many realize your enemies aren't going to go to heaven? Your enemies are Satan and demon power. And he puts a table before you in the presence of of your enemies. And and I want to remind you something that's on that table. Jesus speaking to the Syrophoenician woman, he he said to her, it's not right to take the children's bread. This woman is asking for healing, and Jesus calls healing the children's bread. How many of you are of, are the children of God? Jesus said that healing is your bread. And he prepares that table in the presence of your enemies. There's healing on that table. There's peace. There's righteousness. There's deliverance. There's direction. All that we need is on the table. And he's qualified you for your share of the inheritance. And it's not when, how many know you don't need healing when you get to heaven, right? You need healing now. You don't need deliverance when you get to heaven. You need deliverance today. Now I've said this before, But again, my object this morning is to build faith. So many people look at their Bible and think that that whole thing is is really just one unit. But there's an Old Testament, old way of righteousness. There's a New Testament, a new way of righteousness. Let me say this. 
In John, the first chapter, it says, the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. What happened in the Old Testament is totally different than the New Testament. The Old Testament was law, but the New Testament through Jesus is grace and truth. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, it says, all these things are from God who brought us back to himself through what Jesus did. And God has given us the privilege of urging everyone to come into his favor and be reconciled to him. For God was in Christ, restoring the world to himself, no longer counting men's sins against them, but blotting them out. Here's what we need to understand. That in the Old Testament, sins had not been paid for. And God judged sin in the Old Testament. But when Jesus came, God put your sin on him. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. He that knew no sin, that's Jesus, became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. God took your sin and put it on Jesus. Your sin has been judged. And God is no longer counting or holding your sins against you. That's why the Bible says to rightly divide the word of truth. See, the Old Testament, sin had not been paid for. Sin was judged. New Testament, sin has been paid for. And God is not holding your sins against you any longer. In Hebrews chapter 1, it says this in the New King James, verse 3, who bring the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person. So Jesus is the express image of God's person. He is perfect theology. Jesus shows us exactly what God the Father is like. Other translation says, the Son perfectly mirrors God and is stamped with God's nature. You want to know what God's like? Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Other translations, the flawless expression of his nature the exact representation of his essence, a perfect copy of God's nature, the exact representation and perfect imprint of the Father's essence, the exact expression of his nature. What is God like? Look at Jesus. So in Matthew chapter 4, it says, Jesus went about all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues, teaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. And really, when you look at Jesus' ministry, he's coming, he's proclaiming the kingdom. He's preaching, teaching, and healing. Preaching, teaching, and healing. And notice, it says he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing. Part of the gospel of the kingdom is healing. Jesus said, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world, and then the end will come. Jesus is telling us that the gospel of the first century is also the gospel of the 21st century. That's why it says in the book of Jude, the third verse, to contend earnestly for the faith which was once and for all delivered to the saints. What the church looked like in the first century, in fact, what you find in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Acts, and Corinthians, and Romans, what you find in your New Testament 
is what the church looked like in the first century, it's supposed to look the same in the 21st century. And if it isn't, it's not because God's changed. It's because we've changed. And in verse 24, and his fame went throughout all Syria. And they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments. And those who were demon-possessed and epileptics and paralytics. And he healed them. And again, notice they brought all sick. 17 different times it's mentioned in the gospel that Jesus healed them all. That's the will of God. Jesus is the exact representation of God. Now, back in the previous, the Old Covenant, in Isaiah 53, we find the prophet Isaiah, and it's like he's looking down a prophetic telescope, and he sees Jesus go to the cross. In, in my new King James, or I've got King James, new King James, I've got both of them, but surely, verse 4, He's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Now, I was talking about what Jesus did on the cross. King James says sorrows, griefs, and sorrows that Jesus took. Other translations, let me give you a few. He says, but it was our pains he took, and our diseases were put on him. I think it's interesting that it says... Again, Isaiah 52, prophetically speaking of Jesus, it says that his visage was marred more than any man. In other words, Jesus didn't even look human. I don't think that it was just because of the whipping. I think it was because he took our pains, and the Bible says our diseases were put on him. Now, I've heard it said that Jesus on the cross, that he had every disease elephantitis. You, you, you name the ugliness of the disease he had. The Bible says his visage did not even look human. You looked at him, he didn't even look human. I think that's more than a whipping. Again, Dr. Isaac Lesser's translation, but only our diseases did he bear himself and our pains he carried. Marshall's translation, surely our diseases did he bear, our pains he carried. Roth's translation, yet surely our sicknesses he carried. And as for our pains, he carried the burden of them. The 53rd chapter, the fifth verse. For he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Dr. Isaac Lesser, through his bruises, was healing granted to us. Young translation, by his bruise, there's healing to us. Moffat, the blows that fell on him brought us healing. By his stripes, there's healing for us. Another translation, we are healed by the punishment he suffered, made whole by the blows he received. The Amplified says, and with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. So there actually has been like this discussion, like, is the King James right? And it's just our griefs and sorrows because almost every other translation talks about our sicknesses and pains. The best thing we can do is let the Bible interpret the Bible. Let the Holy Spirit tell us what it's meant. Well, that's exactly what happens in the New Testament in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 16. It says, when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirit with a word. He healed all that were sick 
that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. We just read it in the Old Testament. So here it is in the New Testament. He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Just like he took our sin upon himself, he took our sickness upon himself. Now, the number one thing in receiving from God is to know that you know that you know that you know that God wants you well. It it says it like this over in James, the first chapter, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like the wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. Like we need to know that we know it is God's will for me to be well. See, so often people believe, listen, they believe in healing, but they're not believing for healing. Got it? You believe in healing, but you're not believing for healing. Uh, Years ago, nobody knows who I'm talking about. I think I've only shared this story one time. Um, this is this was 35 years ago. Uh, there was a man who had begun to attend our church. He was in the hospital with cancer. The doctor said it was terminal. I went up to pray for him. He'd asked to be prayed for. I went up. I had a bottle of oil. I anointed him with oil. It came according to James 5, prayed for him. And he wanted to be prayed for. And after we, I prayed, well, he says, now, pastor, he says, now, next week when I die, he says, I want you to do the funeral. He says, and I want you to read, I want you to read Psalms 23, and I want you to read from John 14. And I've got the songs right here that I want sung at my funeral. Now, listen, he believed in healing, but he wasn't believing for healing. There's a big difference between what you believe in and what you're believing for. And when you're believing for healing, you are resisting the sickness. You realize this is not something that came from God. Again, Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil healing all who were oppressed of the devil. You have to believe that the sickness that's attacking your body is not the will of God and that healing is the will of God. Now, I've talked with people, and and I've actually had people get mad telling them that. They say, no, God gave me this. God sent this to me to teach me. God sent this to me because when I was young, oh, I was bad when I was young. And now God is just, I'm paying for what I did. Well, if you really believe that, you shouldn't go see a doctor to help you get out of the will of God. In fact, you should throw your pain medicine away so you can get the full benefit right away. (laughs) But I don't think you really believe that. 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him. Resist him. 
And, and literally, the word resist here means to actively fight against. Actively fight against. It's not passive. Again, Acts, excuse me, Acts, Luke chapter 13 and, and verse 10. Now, he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years, was bent over, and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you're loosed of your infirmity. Now, please notice the 11th verse said it's a spirit of infirmity. The cause of this sickness, not every sickness, but this sickness was a spirit, a demonic spirit. He said, Woman, you're loosed of your infirmity. He laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus is healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, there's six days in which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered and said, hypocrite, doesn't each one of you from the Sabbath, on the Sabbath loose his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead it to water it? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. Now, notice that Jesus said she ought to be loosed. And the reason she ought to be loosed is because she is a daughter of Abraham. But Galatians 3.29 says, if you are Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Just as much as she ought to be healed because she's a daughter of Abraham. If you're a believer, if you're in Christ, you are a son or a daughter of Abraham and you ought to be loosed. Galatians 3 and 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Having become a curse for us, for it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. The blessing of Abraham. The blessing of Abraham might come on you as a Gentile. Now, that blessing, by the way, is found first in Genesis chapter 15 where God makes a covenant with Abraham and his seed. And by the way, again, in Galatians, it says it's not seeds as of many, but seed as in one who is Christ. And if you are Christ, then are you Abraham's seed, singular. You are Abraham's seed and you are heirs according to the promise. So God makes this covenant promise. Um, what, what was spoken in Genesis 15, we don't know everything, but we do know one thing God promised, and Jesus called it the promise of the Father. That's where it was made in Genesis 15, which is the Holy Spirit. But the other part of that, what was spoken that day, is that just like in Adam, all sin, in Christ, in Christ, all are made right with God. But you've got to get in Christ, and you're made right with God. And all the things in the New Testament where it says in him, in Christ, in the beloved, those are all the things that were spoken back in Genesis chapter 15. 
So in the 22nd chapter, God needs to find out if Abraham's going to keep his part of the covenant. And of course, God says, bring your son, sacrifice your son. They go to Mount Moriah, which is where Jerusalem is, which is the place where Jesus is going to be crucified. And Abraham passes the test. And the angel of the Lord spoke from heaven a second time to Abraham. And God said, I swear. God said, I swear. Now, this is talked about in the book of Hebrews. That God, by two immutable things, two impossibilities, right? So that your, your faith could, could rest and stand and never shake. Number one, that it's impossible for God to lie. And number two, he swore, and he swore by himself. Um, We've all heard people swear, and they swear by God. But when God's going to swear, he said, well, there's nobody better than me to swear by, so he swore by himself. And then here's what God basically said. He says, if I don't do this, I'm not God. I'm not God. And because he swore God's sure word. Because you have gone through with this, and by the way, Abraham went through with it, but it's on your account. It's as if you went through with it. He represents you. You're Abraham's seed. And you've gone through with this and have not refused to give me your son, your dear, dear son. I'll bless you. Oh, I love it. Oh, God's voice is shaking. He's going, oh. I am going to bless you. And again, where do we find all those blessings? We find them written out in the New Testament. But one of them, very, very clearly, Galatians 3, 13, says Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. The curse of the law is found in its fullness in Deuteronomy chapter 28. And it says the Lord will send. Now, this is Old Testament because your sin hadn't been paid for. This is if you broke the law. The Lord will send on you cursing, confusion, and rebuke. And uh, rebuke and all that you set your hand to do until you're destroyed. And it goes on, and here's some of the things that are mentioned. Vexation, rashes, seizures, confusion, panic, dysentery, Pestilence that cleaves to you from which you cannot be healed. Consumption, cancer, fever, infections, boils, hemorrhoids, incurable diseases, the itch, senility, insanity, blindness, fear, panic, tumor, ulcers, unable to find your way, boils, from head to toe, malignant and incurable sores, perpetual plagues or generational sicknesses on you and your children. This is pretty bad stuff. Also, every sickness and every plague which is not written in the book of the law. So we just read a bunch of them, but in case we didn't hit your case, anything that's not written, So it's all sicknesses written and all sicknesses that are not written. And Christ redeemed you. He redeemed you from the curse of the law. None of them have any right in your body. 
He redeemed you that the blessing of Abraham might come upon you. He not only redeemed you from the curse, but he put you into place to receive the blessing. In fact, I just want everybody to just make a, a short confession here. Just say, Jesus redeemed me. I'm redeemed from the curse. I'm redeemed from sickness. I'm blessed. Healing belongs to me. God's will for me is healing and health. Jesus bore my sicknesses and carried my pains. No evil will befall me, nor plague come near my dwelling. Because you've given your angels charge over me to keep me in all my ways. In my pathway are life, healing, and health. Jesus took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses. He forgives all my iniquities and he heals all my diseases. He's given me authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Sickness and disease, you're under my feet. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, yes, yes. Ooh, I'm looking at the clock. You know, around here, they call me the clock. I, I tend to get you out on time. All right, I'm going to jump ahead. Revelation chapter 19 and verse 10. Revelation 19 and 10. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. I, I was looking it up just this morning. In Hebrew, the word testimony, the root, means to repeat, to duplicate, reiteration, to say again, do again. Say again, do again. In other words, the testimony of what Jesus has done is a prophecy of what Jesus will do in the future. So often we just think, well, that's what God used to do, or God did that someplace else. But what he did is a prophecy of what he wants to do. In fact, I believe this. When there is a testimony of what God has done, or when you're reading the word of God and what you see what God has done, there is an anointing that manifests to do it again, to do it again. In Psalms 78, it says they didn't remember his power. The day when he redeemed them from the enemy, when he worked his signs in Egypt and his wonders in the field of Zorah. Again, the 41st verse. Yes, again and again, they tempted God and they limited the Holy One of Israel. I I've heard so often, well, God just does anything he wants. But that is not true. That is not true. They limited God. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus is in Nazareth, and it says he could there do no mighty. It doesn't say he wouldn't. The Bible says he could not 
because of their unbelief. Their unbelief limited him. And again and again, they tempted God. They limited the Holy One of Israel. Let me give you a couple different translations. Limited. It says, and pained the Holy One of Israel. It It gave God pain because he could not do what he wanted to do because of their limiting him. And the Bible tells us why. It says, they didn't consider all that he had done, how he delivered them out of Egypt, how he opened the Red Sea, how he opened. They did not look at the things that God had done. And because they didn't look at what he'd done, they didn't realize what he would do. Because what he's done is what he will do. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Amplified says they distressed the Lord. Another translation says they provoked him. This was my, they caused, another translation, caused terrible pain. They brought pain to the Holy One of Israel. Another translation, they set bounds. God could not do more for them. He wanted to do more for them. It pained him not to, but they set bounds because they didn't believe. So you receive according to what you believe. Another translation says they offended the Holy One of Israel. Why? Because they didn't consider all the things that he had done for them. Um, Most of you realize, particularly last year, we were rescuing people out of Afghanistan and bringing them into Pakistan. The majority of the people that we rescued, there was nearly 2,900 people that we rescued. Almost all of them were Christians, but some were Muslims, those that had helped the U.S. troops, and they were like on a kill list that the Taliban had. So we helped them. Now, here's a testimony of a Muslim woman that we helped. Uh, she and her son had been in one of the camps for three weeks. We bring them out of, out of uh, Afghanistan, put them in one of the camps, and get them ready to go out uh, and take care of themselves inside of Pakistan. The Taliban killed her husband because he was working with the American government. Three weeks ago, when she came to the camp, we found out she had a three-year-old son who was born blind. This Muslim woman told us that she didn't have peace in her heart and she wanted to end her life. So we gave her the audio Bible and told her to listen to it. Here's what they look like. Little solar-charged audio Bible in their own language. You've got one right here. So she starts listening to this, and she loved it. Two days ago, she was listening to the Gospel of John, chapter 9. Jesus heals a man born blind. As she is listening with her little three-year-old son who's born blind, instantly his eyes pop open and he can see. What Jesus did is a testimony of what he will do again. July the 17th, 1859. Charles Spurgeon brought a message to his church, which was, by the way, the largest church in England at the time. Uh, The story of God's mighty acts, 163 years ago. He said, when people hear about what God used to do, one of the things is they say, oh, that's so long ago. He says, I thought that God did it, and God hasn't changed. Is he not the immutable God? The same yesterday, today, and forever. Does 
that not furnish an argument to prove that what God has done at one time, he can do in another? Nay, I think it may push it a little further and say that what he has done once is a prophecy of what he intends to do again. I want to say that. Read that again. What he did once is a prophecy of what he intends to do again. Whatever God has done is to be looked upon as a precedent. Let us with eagerness seek that God would restore to us the faith of men of old, that we may richly enjoy his grace as they did in days of old. But we have to realize that what God did, he'll do again. And that literally the Bible tells us that the testimony of Jesus, it is the spirit of prophecy. It's true about everything we read in the Bible, but it's true about your friend that got healed. And when we take and we say, hey, that's what God did, and we look at it. In fact, David said, your testimonies are our inheritance forever. All right? It's not something that God did once and he's not doing anything again. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, for all of you that are online right now or are going to be watching this, I want to pray for you right now. Now, if there is an affliction in your body and you want to put your hand on that, that would be great, all right? But let me pray for you. Father, we thank you that you are the Lord, our physician, that you said you'd forgive all our iniquities and heal all of our diseases, that your word tells us that Jesus himself bore our sicknesses and carried our pains, and by his stripes, healing was made available to us. We thank you that as Christians, we're taken out of the kingdom of darkness and put into the kingdom of the son of your love, that no sickness, no disease has any right in any of our bodies. And right now, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over sickness and I bind sickness and disease. I command you, loose these bodies, go from these people in Jesus name. And I loose the healing power of God onto your body right now from the top of your head to the soles of your feet to bring health, healing, soundness, and deliverance to your entire being. And Lord, I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may have never thought of this, but literally Christianity is the only faith or religion that has a savior. What the Bible teaches us is this, is that everyone, has sinned in some way, and that because of it, we're guilty before God. And there has to be a payment for sin. The Bible says the wages or the payment of sin is death. And it's not just a physical death, but it's death after the physical death. It's a separation from God. So Jesus came and he paid for your sin and for my sin. So what the Bible tells us we need to do is we need to receive him and give him our life. Jesus called it being born again. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. He said, all the good things that I could do or you could do could never pay for your sin, never make you right with God. But he came, he lived a sinless life, and he paid for your sin. And when you receive him as your Lord and your King, receive the forgiveness he offers, he makes you new on the inside, and he gives you peace with God.
So if you're not right with God, you've been trying to earn your own salvation, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. Pray it from your heart. And if you will pray this prayer from your heart, when we say amen, you're going to be right with God. Just say, oh God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe that his blood paid for my sins. And I believe that he rose again, victorious over death, sin, and the devil. And I give Jesus all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. I receive him as my king and my Lord. And I am going to live for him. I thank you. You've heard my prayer that my past is gone, that I'm now a part of your family, your kingdom, today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer from your heart, God heard you. The Bible says, whosoever, that's you, will call on the name of the Lord. That's what we just did, the way the Bible shows us to. It says, we'll be saved. You are saved. You're right with God. Now, I wrote a book, especially to help you keep on growing spiritually. Absolutely free of charge. All the information is right there on your screen. We want to get it to you absolutely free. And I want to thank you so much for being with us today. We love you. God bless you. If you prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you've made one of the best decisions of your life, and we're so excited for you. Just as Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv and have a copy mailed to you, download it instantly, or check out our new audiobook. You can also find all these things on our app. This book is absolutely free and a great resource for you to have. Walking by Faith is changing lives on and off the air with the help of viewers like you. When you get plugged in with us, God pours out His blessing upon you, just like it says in Malachi 3.10. If you'd like to become a partner with us, we have three ways that you can give. One, Text WBF Give to 1 364 Give. Two, visit walkingbyfaith.tv slash give. Or three, click on the giving icon in our app. We'd love to connect with you. When you scan this QR code, you can download our app, send us a prayer request, or check out our weekly devotional, and most importantly, stay connected. If you or someone you know is in need of healing, please contact us as we have people standing by who would love to pray with you, and we have a lot of resources that can help you receive your healing today. God bless, and we'll see you next time.